I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Story Studio. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Welcome to the Story Studio, a podcast where an independent publishing company explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. My name is Luke Condor with a K, and I'm joined by Daniel Wilcox. And today we have one of my favourite people in general, but in the independent publishing world as well, uh, Mr. Jay Fawn. How's it going, Jay? What is up, Daniel and Luke? Great to be back with you guys. Yeah, fantastic man. to have you. Thanks. So um, what has everyone been working on creatively? You've been writing stuff? Have we been making podcasts perhaps? What's what's going on? <laughs> yes, and, yes and yes and yes, all of the above. Uh, I got the Internet podcast chugging along. Uh, Rachel Heron and I started one called The Pedal to the Metal in uh, in uh, early January. And that's that's kind of crazy. It's about going from your day job to your dream job. And then I've been working on uh, two two projects, two writing projects, uh, hardcore. Um, Dustfall Book Three with Glenn James, and then the first book of the trilogy I'm writing with Zach Bohannon. So uh, I've been kind of cranking away on this. Cool man, it's exciting to. See. I think I saw uh, a sneak peek of the cover with Zach. Maybe it was it was a little bit ago yeah. now. Is that? Yeah, he he might he might be out there flashing it around. You know, he's <laughs> he's that what kind of guy. Cover? What's that? I said, what about the cover? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what about you, Dan? What have you been up to? Uh, I have been just working hard on getting the beats ready for um, book two of Veyrock because the first book is officially released tomorrow. So midnight today. Or mid- yeah, midnight today. Um, so yeah, just kind of cracking away and getting the, the gears rolling on the next book so we can keep pumping along and get more of that out. Oh, man. I don't think I've just been doing... Uh... Everything. No, I've been lots of admin stuff, lots of uh, what do we call it again, Dan? Uh, manager time. Manager time. Lots of manager time. Lots of like preparing. <laughs> I've been doing um, a lot of uh, Kickstarter campaign stuff. So we're doing the Elmarbo campaign. I wrote a song, uh, like an Elmarbo, which was fantastic. Song. I uh, that one kind of came out of the blue. So I just had a notification on Slack one evening going, "Hey guys, I uh, I kind of you know I, I I had some time to kill, so I kind of just wrote a song about Elmarbo." And I listened to it kind of expecting it to be because I think I heard you do a ukulele song um, yeah. like for something a couple of months back. <laughs> but this was full production value. What, what what inspired that? Where did it come from? I've always I've always made little silly songs. Um, that song took me about 20 minutes to produce. Like, are you freaking kidding? I, only, like, it's just uh, guitar, 
one vocal and then a vocal harmony and then some like I little feel like when this goes live, you should just be playing that in the background. Okay, I'll do. I'll do the <laughs> instrumental. But um, mm. Jay, Jay, you're a musician as well, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I am. I think th- there. I mean, there is something like so. Growing up playing in bands and uh, writing music and producing music and stuff. There's something in that that's still in me now when it comes to making podcasts and books and stuff. Do you find the same sort of thing, Jay? Oh, absolutely. There's a, there's a performance aspect. Mm. Even if you're sitting in front of a microphone recording a podcast by yourself, it's still a performance. Yeah. And there is something about, you know, in bands, Luke, I'm sure you recognize this too. You know, you can, you can practice all the time. Yet when you get in front of a live audience and you're doing a performance, yeah. that's worth like 10 practices. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And so I think there's an element of that, especially in the multimedia stuff where you, you know, if you approach it as a performance, it seems to hone your skills a whole lot faster. Also, I remember getting incredibly, incredibly nervous like those first few gigs, but after like gig 100, <laughs> <laughs> you, it just becomes like, you just become so, uh, I don't know, it becomes kind of standard, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a different kind of nerves almost because you have that initial, I guess, self-doubt where you're putting yourself forward and you're kind of wondering whether or not you are any good if it's all in your head. But after you've had plenty of performances, because I used to do a lot of circuits of open mics in Lincoln. Yeah, I've seen you do one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was a case of, like, I wouldn't have been that bold before. It took a fair few years to build up to just jumping up with a ukulele and just busting some stuff out. But yeah, the more practice you get, the more... There is that tingling, that worry that maybe this isn't this performance isn't going to be the best, but you you harden yourself to it. And I think it's the same with with writing, the same with pretty much everything you do. It's growing confident in yourself to do it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yep. Cool. Uh, so we should probably jump onto the big whoops for the week. Uh, so Dan, have you got anything interesting you've seen, watched, smelt, uh, tickled? Uh, <laughs> my my big whoops kind of um, just. It's a bit self-indulgent again. It comes back to the book that's out tomorrow, but it's not strictly with the book. It's more um, just our advanced readers have been kind of awesome. Mm. Um, so I kind of took a gamble on a couple of people who I hadn't really spoken to personally, and we mentioned one of them last year, the uh, Instagrammer, Bookstagrammer, Jobis89. Yeah. Um, I've just made a few friendships by talking to people that I wouldn't otherwise have kind of reached out to. And it's been really, really humbling hearing the feedback that we've got from the book already. And we've already sort of got our first three reviews up online before the book's actually officially launched. So which is better than I've ever done before. So it's, we're doing not too bad there. Yeah. So kind of, um, bossing it, but no, there's just been, uh, lovely, lovely people. And I've actually been in contact with, um, Zach Bohannon as well. Um, who was going to get around to reading the arc, but obviously he's a very, very busy man. So there's, (laughs) there's no sort of no hard feelings there, but, um, it's just nice to kind of chat to, I guess, yeah. other busy indies and see and know that you're kind of in the same situation as other people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I honestly, uh, I have so much stuff to read. I have I, I have no problem with people saying they're too busy to read stuff. Like, it's my we read get- pile is so big and uh, I keep adding stuff to it. I don't know why I do that. You must get this a lot, Jake. You know, the king of collaborators, you must get a lot of people going, oh, I've just got this. Would you Would you mind a little read? Uh, yes and no. Um, it goes in waves. I definitely have they rot on my pile and, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to read that. So, uh, that's one on there. And then the other problem I have is, you know, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm like, I'm a reader too. Mm. So I saw on Facebook the other day, uh, the digital version of, uh, McCammon's swan song was on sale for like 73 cents or something. 
And I hadn't read that since I was a kid. It came out like 87. Um, and so I grabbed it. I'm like, oh, great. I'm like creating more work for myself in a way, you know? <laughs> so I yeah. agree. Like, and, and, you know, that's a big whoop for me. I'm like, hey, I, I, I love that that novel and uh, and I'd like to read it again. But like like you guys said, I got so many other things lined up that uh, I don't know when I'm going to get to it. I've got to the point now where I've started to almost force myself to read the books that I just want to read for enjoyment because I seem to yes. get m more out of those in terms of uh, inspiration and and not advice, but um, uh, I, I can put a lot of lessons away. So I've been reading, uh, as you know, Dan, I've, I'm sort of falling more and more in, in love with Stephen King. Like, I, I don't know why I never read him as a kid. I just, I know all my friends are reading him and I just sort of kept, I think I'd seen too many of the bad adaptations, uh, film adaptations or, or TV shows. And I just didn't really get around to it. Uh, so I've started to read, um, so I just finished The Drawing of the Free which was amazing. Jay, you told me to get onto Dark Tower like <laughs> so long ago as well. I'm just, I'm just finally working through it and I'm absolutely loving it. And now I'm reading Salem's Lot and I'm, mm. because I'm reading it just for enjoyment, I feel like I'm pulling so much out of it. I've just started Salem's Lot as well, actually, and it's very interesting first few chapters. Yeah, like the prologue very, very... chapters or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was quite I'm interesting. I'm a bit like, yeah. what the hell's going on? But... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good study too, like if... Uh... You know, as, as writers, um, you know, when we when Zach and I were still doing the Horror Writers podcast, maybe it might have been with Richard. Yeah, we did the Pet Cemetery issue. It's all kind of oh. blends together now. And uh, and Pet Cemetery is a great example of a book that I read as a kid for total enjoyment. And then I, when I reread it as an author, it was it was kind of stunning because mm. like the writing itself was not very good. Like stylistically it was, it was not good. It didn't flow. It was clunky. There were awkward word choices, but it was still, uh, it was still a book I couldn't put down. And I think that was a great lesson for me as a writer that, you know, um, the, the most well-written stuff isn't always the stuff that people connect with. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes it's just a story behind it all that can pull you through. If your idea is strong enough, it doesn't really matter how you portray it. It's just people want to know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess that would be my big work. But I do want to quickly say um, uh, me and Ben have been recording a new podcast. Um, we, all of us enjoy making podcasts far too much. Uh, but this podcast is all of, it's, we call it Horror, Horror Hangout. And the idea is that uh, we're going to watch the 50 best horror movies ever. And we're going to just record a podcast once a week, pretty chill. And we're just going to talk about the, the films and we're going to give them ratings and stuff like that. Uh, but it's been a great excuse to watch, sit down and focus and actually watch great horror films. So, so far we've watched um, uh, The Devil's Backbone, which is the Gomero del Toro one. And then we watched Kill List, which is the, the Ben Wheatley film. And I'm so excited to just enjoy watching films again. So that would be my big whip, I guess. That's pretty awesome. That sounds like a blast. Oh, yeah, man. If you want to uh, get involved and get on an episode, let us know. Um, I think the next on the list is uh, The Evil Dead at uh, number one, which I've not seen uh, in so long. So I'm quite excited to see that. Yeah, I, d I definitely should take a look at that list. And I'm sure there's something on there I could contribute yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the top 10 is unbelievable. Like, I can't wait to get to the top 10. It's, it, it's such a, like a, a mishmash of like uh, 90s films. There's a couple from uh, uh, 2000s, uh, but most of them are like uh, uh, 70s, 80s. Uh, but it's such a good list. Um, oh, nice. So uh, this brings us on nicely. So um, podcasts, we 
this will be our third podcast. We have the other stories. Uh, we have the story studio, which is what people are listening to right now. And we, we all have the horror hangout. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Jay, you also uh, have a lot of podcasts. Uh, can you just quickly uh, touch on that and tell us a bit about, you know, the podcast you do now, the podcast you used to do, and what is it about podcasting that you like? Yeah. Well, let me, I'll start with the last question first. What I really like about podcasting is it's a, it's a great way for people to get to know just to get to know you. Um, I, I, wanted, I was going to say your voice, but I don't mean like the sound of your voice. I mean like your, your, your personality. And it's a, it's, it's a very personal connection. And I found that over time, people feel like uh, they really know you when they listen to your podcast. Uh, and I know that's the same for me. When I listen to other people's podcasts, I've, I feel like I know the person. And it's a really personal connection. And it's something that you doesn't necessarily translate in a blog post. Like that would be the written equivalent for me. A podcast would be a blog. And there are still some great blogs. And I used to blog a lot. But I found that the podcasts with the with the the rising ubiquity of personal devices like phones that are that people have with them all the time, uh, it seems like a great way to take advantage of that of that real personal connection. So, I think for me that's why I enjoy doing it. And it uh, for my podcasts, I don't. This is going to sound terrible. I don't put a ton of prep into them, and and what I mean by that is I don't. Um, I I try not to be really scripted or. Yeah. or overly outlined because I feel like it takes away some of the natural synergy that occurs when you like step up to the mic and you're like, okay, I, I got to perform. And yeah. if it's all scripted out word for word, I feel like the listener can feel that. Uh, I, was watching, yeah. I was listening to an interview with Larry King and he was saying he never goes in with uh, like a list of questions. He, um, <laughs> oh God. We, we do, but just because we need to know what the hell we're doing. We're it's not better to doing. have something, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys have a format. So. But, yeah. but he, uh, he was saying that when he, um, when he has questions, he, he, he feels like he has to follow the format, whereas he, he's not as actively involved in the conversation if, if he's got the questions there. So when they're not there, he's able to follow his curiosity and, and, and ask the questions that come to him there and then, which he thinks the audience will be asking in, in their home, wherever they're listening or watching. Yeah, I would totally agree with that because I think too, even if it's not an interview format podcast, uh, you know, there's there's a certain there's a certain level of spontaneity that occurs, and I don't go in blind. So like when I I prepare for the internet, and I'll, I'll answer your other question too about which one which podcast I'm doing. But when yeah. I do the internet, I I work on it all week, but I'm thinking about stuff. I'm like I'm reading a few articles, I'm researching a few things, and I I sort of have an intention. I sort of have an a, a place I want to go but I don't script it out and and I can't really describe that line and I think it's something that that you get better at the more that you do uh, and unfortunately you know sometimes you miss the mark I've done episodes where I was done and I was like eh that kind of didn't quite go where I wanted it to go but you, you know you, you kind of learn as you go and I think that's what's what that's what's great too is like you're only as good or as bad as your last episode mm. yeah out of curiosity um what podcast do you listen to is there any that you find really inspiring? Yeah, I mean, I have I have some staples, and I need to I need to pull up my player here to make sure I, I get them right. So, like, I've been listening to the Creative Pen for yeah. years, yeah. and you know, I'm good friends with Joanna. Um, I've been listening to uh, Simon's Rocking Self Publishing podcast, the SPP guys, the Sell More Book Show. Uh, I've been listening to. 
Um, the book launch show, which is a new one by Tim Grawl, who also does the Story Grid podcast. Uh, Rachel Herron's How Do You Write? Um, those are a lot of the a lot of the writing ones. But I also listen to some other ones like um, Introvert Extrovert. I listen to the General Rebel podcast. James Aldicher show. Yeah, I love James uh, Aldicher. Yeah, I, yeah I, I listen to Lewis Howes in and out. Mm. Um, I, I feel like he's got a lot of athletes, and and that's great. But like, I feel like the, the athletes kind of are speaking to a different audience, so I kind of come in and out of that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm and I'm pretty. Oh, and Mark Dawson self publishing formula podcast. I listen to that one. So um, you know, and um, and uh, Mega Maker. He's on hiatus oh, right d- now, but uh, I've Justin got my Jackson. T-shirt on, but I've got a Mega Maker T-shirt. Um, I'm a big Justin Jackson fan as well. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. So those are the ones that are sort of in my player, and I'm always like sampling and listening to other other podcasts. And it's just like being a writer. I think you have to read a lot to be a good writer, and I think to be a good podcaster, you have to listen to a lot. Sure, yeah. Um, so the podcast you've got uh, currently running. So there was the Horror Writers podcast, which is now on hiatus. Is that right? Or Yes, and okay. uh, Zach Zach uh, is always threatening to bring it back. So, <laughs> so yeah. that was my that was my first foray into podcasting, and I I can barely even listen to episode one of that podcast because <laughs> I hear how I've grown since that, and that wasn't that long ago. That was like maybe two, three, four years ago at the most, uh, and that's where I started, and that was really just a podcast about being a horror writer. I started it by myself, and then Richard Brown joined me for a while, and then we ran out of stuff to say. And then Zach Bohannon's like, hey, we should do that again. And then Zach and I did it. And then we ran out of things to say. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's kind of sitting there. All the back episodes are there. We may or may not pick it back up again. But we kind of felt like we didn't want to just we just didn't want to do it for the sake of doing it. Like if we couldn't yeah. say anything meaningful, then we were like, it's better off not doing anything. Yeah. Sure. So that was my first podcast. And then around the same time, I was working on Dark Arts Theater and Dark Arts Theater was was going to be a podcast, a video podcast for people who love both heavy metal and horror. And I know that's a sweet spot, and I know that there are a lot of people that have those converging interests. But for some reason, like I feel like it just kind of missed the mark. Um, I did two full seasons. I mean, I had some killer interviews on on those two seasons. Like I had Ed Sanchez on from the Blair Witch Project. Um, I I had. I had a great guest. I did a lot of high-end production. Like uh, It took me 20, 30 hours per episode because I was doing audio and video, and I was doing remote shoots. And I thought for sure, like, oh, that's really going to hit the mark. And it numbers-wise, it kind of fell flat. And yeah. I did two full seasons because I didn't want to give up after one season. I wanted to see what would happen with a second. But it's so time-intensive that unless I feel like a – a resurgence in interest. I I'm not sure if I'm going to do another season of that. Yeah, for sure. It's um yeah. so we so our free podcasts. Um, one of them is super time intensive, but we've sort of built uh like a, a team now. So we've got like an audio producer. Mm-hmm. There's the four writers. There's the uh, seven narrators now. Dan, is that right? Oh um yeah, around that we get into. I think it must be about seven now. Cool. And then, um, and then, like th- this show, for example, it doesn't take too long to do. I don't, yeah. I don't edit it too much because I don't want it to become a chore. Like, right. <laughs> I just want to enjoy talking to you know my favorite publishers, and I just want to enjoy talking about one of my favorite subjects. I don't want it to become another job. Yes. We've scheduled yeah. already writing. We've already got full time jobs. 
we're already trying to write and publish like however many words a month or whatever like it's it's difficult (laughs) yeah that's one of the things we alluded to in a previous episode as well was the fact that i mean it must be similarly to the horror writers podcast when you mentioned that you know there are the reality is there are other things to be working on and sometimes some things do drain time that isn't necessarily working in your favor in the long run especially when you have longer term goals and we've recently stretched this from weekly to fortnightly just because we love talking to each other about the different topics we love meeting guests such as yourself and having some awesome people on board and it's one of those things that we want to keep rolling but like you say you don't want it to be a chore so it's kind of trying to find that balance sometimes yeah Yeah, i agree daniel that's hard and you know the the most recent podcast I launched with Rachel Heron really kind of came out of a tweet. Like when <laughs> she had me on her podcast, and she was and she made a joke and said like, "Hey, we're like the pedal and the metal. Like I'm the flower and you're the metal, dude." And, and I and I tweeted back as like, "Hey, that's the name of our new podcast." And, and she was like, <laughs> "Yeah, let's do it." And and as we talked about it, like she left her full time job in middle of last year, and I'm transitioning out of mine. Uh, in like the summer of this year and she's like let's just talk about that and we have like there's no intro music there's no call to action at the end Um, like we spend 20 minutes talking I spend 10 minutes uh, saving the file and uploading Libsyn and we're done yeah and 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 it's just a and and like you said like that's not a chore like I look forward to that it's Mm. just like I'm talking to a friend and then we're done and the the intronaut is a little more work because I will bring in Sometimes I'll play a guitar riff or I'll bring in some audio from some other source and I may have to mix a little bit, but it still doesn't feel like a chore. Like I can knock that out in a few hours. But when you get into like, you know, scheduling interviews every week and if you're doing the video, like if you're doing, you know, a a hangout that you're going to post on YouTube and audio, like Zach and I were doing a lot of post-production, mostly Zach. (laughs) And, And we were like, damn, this is just a real time suck. And we don't know if we can afford this kind of time to dedicate to that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, um, I was listening, actually listening to your pedal to the metal this morning. Um, because I was listening to the creative pen and she mentions it in her latest episode. And obviously with you coming on tonight, I was like, that's what a, what a prime chance to listen to <laughs> some more content. And um, I have to say like from the bottom of my heart, it's one of the most genuine um, listening experiences that I've had in a while, because you get a lot of, you've, there's a lot of stuff out there for indie publishing for people who want to basically do this and discuss what's kind of going on in the world of indie publishing, writing, podcasting. Um, and to have, a 20 minute soundbite, which is just a genuine conversation. Like you say, there's no intro music, which is refreshing. There's no <laughs> CTA. It's just like, if anyone wants to be a fly in an author's conversation, mm. that's kind of your opportunity to do it. And I'm halfway through episode two, but I have to say it's generally one of the better podcasts that I've listened to in a while. Wow. Thanks, man. I, you know, the, the truth is, and I, I don't know if I've mentioned this publicly before, but um, Rachel and I kind of were going to go with a different format and it was going to be more writerly. And at one point, and, and like we kept struggling to like record the first episode. And finally she emailed me and she's like, dude, seriously, I'm just not feeling this. Like it, it just doesn't feel right to me. And I think that's why like we're not getting anywhere. And she's, and she said, well, let's just talk. Like, let's just talk about where you are leaving your job and where I was leaving my job. And we're not going to make any grand plans about how long it's going to go on or how many episodes we're going to do or what our SEO is going to be. Let's just talk. And I and she said, I think there's probably a lot of other people who are in the same situation. And I was like, right on. Let's do it. Yeah. So, you know, we intend 
there there was no grand plan, and yet at the same time, it was like we both came to this realization that the indie the indie publishing world is well covered by many podcasts. So let's do something a little different. Yeah. Even the name itself, I um, I mean, was it a conscious choice to go for something that wasn't? Like you say, it's not SEO. It's not optimized for people to grab it. If you were to search for writers or self-publishing or anything along those lines on on the podcast apps, you're not really going to find pedal to metal. Was that a conscious decision? <laughs> I, I think it, it wasn't. I, I I I'm being totally serious in that. Like it came it, that tweet. You can probably find that tweet on my feed. Like <laughs> it was it was a total just riff. It was a total joke. It was a play on words. And the other reason I think we really liked it is that. For that exact reason, it didn't define the show. It defined our personalities. And we thought, if anyone's going to listen these days, um, you know, blogging is the newest, or uh, podcasting is the new blogging, right? Everyone's throwing up a podcast. And so we thought, you know, if the only differentiator is going to be our, uh, is going to be us. And so we might as well put ourselves out there, be vulnerable, be transparent. And if, if people like it, they'll like it. And if they don't, they don't. And we'll happily quit and go do something else. Yeah. I think, um, so when a lot of people start podcasting, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, they have this idea that they're going to do 300 episodes or they're going to make a, <laughs> a show that's just going to like be ongoing until, until they retire. Bring but in the money. I kind of feel like it doesn't have to be like that. It can be way more open that you can just stop, stop a show whenever you want to. Like no one's stopped. No one's, no one's shaming you into, into like doing the episodes over and over again. Like you you can do what you want in this world. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's pressure as creators we put on ourselves that whatever we're doing has to last forever and, and it's not going to. And I, I do think that's okay. There, there's, there is this weird place and I don't know what, I don't know where the line is, but there's this weird place between sort of getting people engaged in something and then 
abandoning it versus like letting it run its course. Yeah. Mm. And I, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that, but I know that like there are some podcasts I've listened to and like four or five episodes in, I'm really digging it and it, it just disappears. And and that yeah. feels weird to me. Whereas a, a podcast that kind of runs its course and just hangs it up, I'm like, all right with that. Yeah. 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 I think sometimes as well, I've listened to um, a few podcasts and I won't say any names, but I've listened to a few where I've got hooked on them for a core premise. And then as time goes on, as the show gets bigger, as monetization plays its course and things change, it Mm. does change its approach. And even though it's the same group of people, there's always kind of like slight U-turns that people take without realizing it's just a natural course of how it goes. And they find a new audience and you find that sometimes you wear yourself out of what you're originally listening to. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Um, so something I did want to touch upon, um, was how important, uh, collaboration is for, for you, Jay. I mean, like if we take out the time, like two years, I wasn't much of a collaborator at all, but now I'm sort of co-writing books with Dan. I'm co-writing comic books with Ben, uh, with like co-writing, or the podcast working with loads of different people it's been um revelatory for me um what <laughs> so you've got i mean what are you collaborating collaborating on right now other than pedal to the metal wow um <laughs> small question <laughs> you know it's it's really it's been really weird for me because i did not set out to become the collaborator and and they, that's kind of the reputation i have and i think i've come we do, to we do think of that. you as the collaboration king <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I, that would not have been something I would have been proud of even like six or seven years ago. Uh, I, I, I was and I still consider myself to be the lone wolf. Uh, I love the idea of locking myself in a cave and being creative. And and I don't I, I don't see a downside to that. I know that, you know, some people do. But I think what I've discovered is collaboration is another way to create art. And oftentimes, if you hit the right person at the right time, the work is far better than either of you could have produced on your own. Um, so like uh, right now I have the American Demon Hunter series going. And, and the way that works is I wrote the full novel, which created the world and the characters and the situations. And then I've been inviting people to write novellas in this world. And it's sort of like a television series that's nonlinear. So if you think of the X-Files, um, every episode sort of stood on its own. You know, similar characters, but like a different threat. Um, but there wasn't sort of a series resolution at the end of any episode. And that's kind of what American Demon Hunters is, is now. I'm inviting people, they're writing a novella in the world and where the main characters have to, have to solve the problem and then it's over and and readers can go on to something else. Um, that's a, that's an interesting collaboration because I'm basically working as the developmental editor in the, in those relationships. I'm having people write drafts and then I'm doing, uh, all of the editing and all of the cover work and all of the sort of the behind the scenes stuff. And then uh, Zach and I are, are, I'm sorry. Sorry, Jay. Uh, So just on the America Demon Hunter series. So those ones where you're acting as editor, where um, other people have written the novellas, are you co-writing those? Are you, uh, are the title, is it credited as as co-written or is that like written by Zach and produced by you? Or how, how is that working? The, the way we're the way it's set up is is it's the the author is featured and it says with Jay Thorne and okay. and basically the process it's it's not anything new or 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 top secret but the process is uh that I have a, a like an episode format that I want the people to follow and so they'll create an outline 
so that there's some consistency with between the novellas. Um, late, not not necessarily in word count, but sort of in the, in the story structure. Because I think any good TV show has uh, has a format that it follows. So uh, I give the format to the writer. Um, they they bang out just a rough first draft, and then they throw it to me, and then I do all the revisions and rewriting after that. Uh, so it's you know it's a different. I don't know if it's technically co-writing or not, or if it's collaboration, but I, be, because they're writing the first draft portion of it, I, I give them t- sort of top billing on the story. Yeah, that's awesome. I have, mm-hmm. I have seen a series and I'm looking to dive in at some point. There's like five books at the minute. Is that, does that sound about right? Yeah, there's a, there's a no, there's a, the full novel and then there's five novellas and there's one in production right now. Cool, cool. I, I read the, uh, the one with Zach. Oh, cool. I was very interested in uh, catching up with some of Zach's work and your work as well, and was one to dive into. Very, very good. I think I left a review on it on Amazon as well for you. Oh, cool! Thanks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <It's fine>. <laughs> <laughs> that's very. That's an intre- Before you actually started, sort of, um, I guess, dipping into these projects and and collaborating in that style, had you ever had any editing experience beforehand? I mean, or were you ever? I guess what I'm saying, yeah. Did you ever edit beforehand, or was this a new experience for you? No, this was this was a new experience, and when I decided, I, I didn't decide to do this this whole thing until I finished writing the novel, and I was gonna start writing book two, and I'm like, you know what, I want to try something different. Um, I like to push myself, I like to have new challenges, and I thought to myself, you know, I've been watching what what Johnny and Sean and and uh, and Sean and Dave were doing with uh, Sterling and Stone, and I was like. I kind of want to do my own flavor of that. And I, I definitely saw myself more as Sean than Johnny. And I thought, um, you know, this would be a good opportunity for me to try my hand at sort of some developmental editing. I mean, it's not, it's not true developmental editing because I had, it's my world that I've created and, and I'm sort of approving like story beats, but, um, it was, it was a, it was a challenge for me and I can't like, it wasn't perfect. And I'm sure if you talk to some of the, <laughs> some of the novella authors, they'll tell you that there were some moments where they, you know, we pushed back and forth on each other. And I learned a lot about developmental editing just from doing it. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was not something I had experience with, but it was something that I wanted to kind of push into. Yeah. It's almost like you're, uh, not show running, but maybe more like directing or producing the, uh, the, the TV show or the film series. Yeah, I think that's you're, a that's a fair the Kevin, analogy. The Kevin Feige of uh, the American <laughs> Demon Hunter world. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair oh, analogy. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so and you also uh, re- co-wrote uh, Risen Gods with Joanna. Um, yes. That was a, a, a different process. Well, that was more of a, a I guess you call it a classical uh, co-writing process. If there is a classical <laughs> version of it. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, Risen Gods with Joanna and the Dustfall series with Glenn awesome, are yeah. both written in the same format or the same process, I should say, which is we're bouncing chapters back and forth. So we're uh, Joanna and I both first drafted. Um, we had story beats. I think she kind of came up with story beats that kept us five or six chapters ahead. We'd each write our piece. We each did revision passes on it. Um, and then, and then the same thing with Glenn. So Glenn kind of comes up with the story beats for Dustfall. Uh, we each write chapters, we, and then we each do revisions on it. So I guess in that sense, it's more of a classical, like back and forth co-writing. And do you enjoy it? Oh, I love it. I, I, you know, I love, um, I love the different flavors of collaboration. So like, 
it's different with Zach. Like Zach wrote uh, for the trilogy we're working on. He wrote the whole first draft. Like I came up with a like maybe a fifteen hundred or two thousand word uh, list of story beats. He then and rent, uh, he wrote the first draft and he in his words he said he gave me slop. So <laughs> I, I told him I'm like just get the because he hates revising and I love it. So I said just get the words on paper and I will totally take it from there. So that's a whole different way of, of, of co-writing. But that's a situation where Zach and I know each other's strengths and weaknesses and we're using those to our advantage because the revisions is the, is the most fun for me and for him it's the first draft. Is that your, yeah. your favorite part of the, the, the book production process, the revision? Or is there another part? Yeah, more? I think it is. I think it's, um, and I would even go so far as to say it's probably the second or third revision what I, is what I really enjoy. Because by that time, I've gotten through the mechanics, I've gotten through the main story structure, and it's where I'm really putting a polish on it. Yeah, I think we're a bit similar in that regard because um, – me and Luke, our collaboration process tends to be a bit more like uh, yours and Zach's, although we're kind of trialing both at the minute. So I've yeah. written the first draft of one, which Luke has edited, and then vice versa. But I definitely feel like I much more enjoy having part of the clay molded and then making the final touches as opposed to slopping it all down and, See, and I, handing I, it over. I enjoy <laughs> doing the first drafts and doing like oh. more, doing more of the pepper, peppering with the poetry, you know, mm. editing style bit at the end but that bit where you've got the first draft and you've got to like make it make it work i hate i just i just it just tires me out it's just it's a puzzle it's all it is yeah yeah Um, and you know it's not it's not even like it's not even a question of what's easier like some people say like oh well it's easier to revise because you already have a draft and some people say well you know it's it's not because it's a different kind of brain activity it's a different process for revising and i don't i don't think it's easier or harder i think it's just what you find to be your sweet spot that's that's what makes it better or worse not um you know whether it's easier or harder yeah and i will say uh so dan this this book we've just done in this series is the best sort of writing that i've ever been involved in so i do think the collaboration process is a case of one plus one equals you know three or five or whatever yes I feel like as well, I've just learned or I picked up um, lots of good habits through through looking at the way you've edited my work. I can see more of what I'm doing. It gives me a clearer picture of what I'm doing so I can see what I'm doing that's just not good. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I can sort of, and it's, it's, just, it's just made me look at the way I write prose in a lot more detail, um, which is just, it just, it's just a great learning experience. So I, I'd recommend anyone to try it. Um, I think there's nothing like receiving edits back from someone who you are working closely with, who you have shared the same idea and seeing, even though you've both agreed on your route, that there are still differences in opinions in certain parts and how, and how people manage that. I mean, Jay, you must have so much experience based on the different people you have collaborated with. Do you find that each partnership lends a different lesson? Oh, absolutely. And I think it's my intention, uh, you know, I had mentioned earlier, I kind of wanted to do my version of collaboration and I was watching what the SPP guys were doing mm. and, and Zach and I are going to do, you know, Molten Universe Media together and we're going to, we're going to seed that company with our own collaborative works. At the same time, I feel like there's so much value in collaborating with different people, at different times. And I could go down the list. I mean, the Black Fang Betrayal, I worked with nine other authors 
And, and that was such, that was so enlightening to see how these masters, these, these guys I looked up to what they did. And I kind of got an inner in their inner workings and, and that was fantastic. And then like Joanna is a master of like scheduling and time management and staying on task and moving the story forward. And I learned so much from her. And Glenn is, Glenn is amazing because he has, he keeps this entire fictional world in his head and he's got like multiple fictional worlds in his head. And, and like, I'll write something and he'll be like, yeah, that's not going to work because back in chapter four of book two, that guy did this. And I'm like, Holy <laughs> hell, like, you know, so like it's every time you work with somebody else, um, you know, for me anyways, I learned something. And I think that's, you know, it's part of a selfish, self-serving reason to collaborate is like, I want to get better. And there's no way of getting better. Like you can't not get better when you're working that closely with someone else. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we are uh, steamrolling through the time. I, we've been at it for 40 minutes already. Um, <laughs> one of the things I really did want to uh, uh, ask you about, Jay, is is how you stay on top of it all. Uh, I know I have been better this year, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there are there, like moments last year when I was like pulling what little hair you know I had out. <laughs> Um, I mean, have you got any techniques, uh, in, like the way you schedule, the way you set goals and, and that sort of thing? I, I do. I have, I have some like high level strategies and then I have some like low level tactics. So, you know, the low level tactic stuff is I use a Google calendar and I try and do a zero inbox. So whenever something hits my inbox, I either try to deal with that task immediately. And if I can't, I move it to my calendar and it doesn't mean that things don't fall through the cracks, but it feels like something I can manage. And, and that's, that's sort of a low level tactic, high level strategy. And I know this is a bit controversial. And, and if Brian Cohen from sell more book shows listening to this, he's going to cringe, but I'm not a big goal setter guy. And, and I know that seems kind of counterintuitive, but I feel like goals can be restrictive. And, and when you're, fo- when you're hyper-focused on goals, you're missing opportunities. And some of the greatest stuff that I've done has come out of opportunities that I just made a right turn and chased it. Yeah. And, and it, that wouldn't have occurred. Like I would have said no to it if I would have been strictly focused on goals. So, I, you know, there, there's a balance there. I think you have to have, I think you have to set intentions, but I don't think they have to be as specific as goals. You sound kind of similar to the way I'm trying to do it. So to have uh, compass points, I call them, which are like the long term, mm. just to direct what the short-term goals should be pointing towards. But um, I know like James Altich says not to have goals because they can be kind of crushing <laughs> when you don't, when you don't <laughs> succeed. Um, yeah. But, um, okay, Dan, we, like, we're, we're cracking on with this interview so quickly. I didn't realize we'd, we'd gone this quick. Um, <laughs> uh, Jay, we, we have got, I didn't tell you about this either. <laughs> we have got a quick fire round. So, in the back of your mind, start to prepare yourself for that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, before we get into that, I, so um, Molten Universe is something that I'm extremely excited about. I don't really know what it is, yes. but it, it's exciting anyway. Can you tell us uh, anything about it, like what, what the plan is, what you guys want to do there? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it, it is going to be a, a publishing company of sorts, but we're, uh, it's, it, and at first it's going to be co-written books. Uh, Zach and I, this year, phase one, um, we want to get as much good uh, stories and novels out there. And so we're going to try and write a bunch of trilogies. 
so we're gonna we're gonna start with books. We're we're starting with sort of post-apocalyptic dystopian uh, genre. And uh, phase two, though, is we're going to look to bring in other writers. We're going to look to spread out to different mediums like graphic novels, comic books, music. We're both we're both metalheads, so we want to bring in some musical elements to it. Uh, so I think to lay the groundwork, though, we want to have a nice back catalog of co-written stuff. So that's kind of the plan. Cool. Um, so the, the first books, is, is these the, the post-apocalyptic ones that I might have seen a cover of? Yeah, I think okay. it's the uh, it's the final awakening trilogy is what yeah. it's called, and book one is going to be called Dawn. So that that may have been the cover you've seen. Cool. And um, how can people stay in touch with Molten Universe and uh, you know keep their eyes peeled for for what's going to come out of there? Yeah, we have uh, we have a landing page up for uh, the website. I think it's moltenmediauniverse.com. I should probably double check that. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. So yeah, yeah. If you put it in the show notes, um, there's yeah, that it works. There's a just drop in your email, um, and then as soon as things develop, we will uh, definitely be in touch. Cool. As I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm really excited. I think because I really. Uh, admire you and Zach as sort of separate uh, creatives. You admire Zach? You're going to say that on air? <laughs> I'll edit it out. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but I'm just so excited to see what you guys are going to do uh, together. Um, so I'm, I'm on that list. I can't wait to see what you guys do. I'm on that really list as well. well. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, yeah. guys. Cool. Yeah. Um, okay, so the quick fire round. We've got eight questions. You've got <laughs> you've got about five <laughs> seconds to, to answer the questions. Um, are you ready? I'm sweating, but yeah, I think I'm ready. <laughs> okay, uh, Dan, do you want to go first? Okay, are you ready? Let's go for it. Stephen King or Dean Koontz? Stephen King. Sugar, spice, everything nice, or Chemical X? Chemical X. What is your spirit animal? Wolf. The last podcast you listened to? Some more book show. The last book you read? Uh... Oh, <laughs> I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say American Demon Hunters because I was reading a novella <laughs> my own work. Cool. Uh, the last human you petted? Um, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I, I better answer that way. Uh, Harry Potter flying on a tiger made of chutney or Larry David riding on a motorcycle possessed with the living spirit of Daniel Radcliffe? Oh, definitely Larry David. <laughs> Um, favorite book? Uh, well, Dark Tower. I, if I can okay. cheat and do series, I'd probably no, say Dark cool. Tower. Yeah. Nice. Before um before we kind of wrap up as well, I did have one extra question for you. Um, which is kind of more on the author mindset because it was one of the things I heard you talking about in the first episode, of Petal to the Metal. Yes. Um, and how I, I I just found it very interesting that you were talking about how you compare yourself to the other writers around you and how you suffer from imposter syndrome. And I did wonder whether or not um, that was something that potentially you had a conversation with Joanna Penn about, as she speaks quite a lot about it in her latest book, The Successful Author Mindset, and whether that's something that, um, I don't know, because I, I, I found it quite bizarre listening to that because, I mean, <laughs> I'm familiar with your work and I, I see the things you're doing and then I'm sat there about to release a book tomorrow suffering from the same thing so <laughs> I, I guess what i'm asking is what's your kind of advice on that and how 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 do you approach it uh, I, I think my advice is if you feel it it's natural and it's okay and as long as it doesn't stop you from moving forward then it's okay cool um, beautiful 
So I, I do have one more question as well. Um, so I remember, <laughs> this isn't the quick round anymore, is it? No, no, no we're, we're yes. out of that now. Yeah. You, you've completed the challenge. You passed the test. Don't worry. You get a um, certificate in the mail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I remember emailing you about uh, 18 months ago, I'm kind of imagine. And um, you asked me, like, what is one piece of work that best represents me? Um, and I think I sent Keith the, the short film I made at the time. Mm. I'd like to put that question back to you. What, what piece of work have you made that you think best represents you and you're most proud of? Uh, I, it, I'm so glad you asked me this now because uh, <laughs> this is, I, I was got almost a very similar question is coming up on the next uh, pedal to the metal episode. <laughs> so it's great. <laughs> I've already answered this. Cool. I, um, I've done so much collaboration that I'm proud of. But if you're asking like what best represents me and my voice, I, I would have to take all the collaborations off the table because by their nature, they're, they're not just my voice. So it would be a disservice to those people I worked with to, to kind of claim those as mine. So I think because of that, I think it would be uh, Reversion, the Inevitable Horror, uh, book one of Porto Arcane. It's not my best writing. I wrote it probably five or six years ago. I wrote it before I understood, really understood story structure. So it's a high high concept story about redemption in a parallel universe, but I, I wrote it from the seat of my pants. And I'm proud of it. I like it. I think it's a good story, um, but it's not my best writing. Uh, I've, I've written and published hundreds of thousands of words since then. But that being said, I feel like it's my, like if people want to figure out who I am and what I am, that's a great place to start. And it also happens to be free on all platforms. So there's that. And it's a great book. I've read it. It's it's a really Thank good you. book. Yeah. Um, so where can people follow you and your work? Easiest thing to do is go to jthorn.net and then you can get everything from there. Great. Okay, so I'll link to everything in the show notes so people can find all that there. Um, I just want to say a quick thanks to Disasterpiece for the intro and outro music, uh, ACAS for hosting the podcast, the listeners for listening, the patrons for subscribing on Patreon. Um, thanks to Dan, my co-host, for being here. And thanks again to jthorn. Um, thank Dan, you guys thank I you really appreciate it no worries, thank man. you uh, Dan where do you want to send people to this week uh, com slash bunker where you can throw yourself into the bunker and protect yourself from the inevitable po- inevitable post-apocalyptic rage of the rotters yeah and there, there's a free shot story at some point um, yes you'll, you'll find out okay <laughs> bye <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this episode of the story studio podcast still hungering for some podcast goodness then why not check out our other show the other stories oh and did you know every time you leave us a review in the itunes store a puppy is born cute day anyway toodle pip <laughs>